Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hello, I'm Jonathan Moles, and you're listening to FT Startup Stories, a 10-part series in which I talk to entrepreneurs about the challenges they've faced in starting and growing their businesses. Dutch entrepreneur Sita Hamminger founded Robin Radar, a tech startup that uses clever software algorithms to track small targets on radar data. Its initial use was to help airports protect their aircraft from bird incursions, but the company's survival was put at risk by the length of time it took his giant customers to approve a purchase. He told me the story during a flying visit to London from his office in The Hague. I started the company in 2010 when I bought all intellectual property from a Dutch research institute. They had developed specific algorithms to help out the Royal Dutch Air Force, actually, to prevent bird strikes, so collisions between birds and fighter jets. And how big an opportunity is that? When I saw the opportunity, I honestly had never heard about a bird strike. So I started digging into it, and I found out that it's actually a quite global big issue. Our Air Force alone, since 1950, lost 12 fighter jets due to bird strikes. So there is a clear business case behind it, you know, writing off an F-16 of, well, let's say 40 million euro. So I started digging into it, and I found out there are very few companies in the world who can do this. Yeah, it's a niche market, of course, but it's certainly an opportunity. And this is selling to governments or civilian? The project, when it was still in the Research Institute, it was a project for the Royal Dutch Air Force. And then the Belgium Air Force started using it as well. And then it was software linked to the existing surveillance radars. The opportunity that we saw was to make it smaller and useful for civil aviation as well. And then I learned quite fast that it was also relevant for use in wind farms. And then it's not to protect the turbines, but it's to protect the birds against the turbines. But you also are now selling this service for drones. How did that come about? When I wrote my business plan in 2010, I already started trying to look at what the essence is of what we can do. So what we do is detect small objects by combining really smart software with affordable radar sensors. The result is that we can detect these small targets at a military level, but at an almost consumer price level. And in 2014, we had the nuclear summit in the Netherlands, where about 57 heads of state came over, and our country was almost taken over by all the security services of everyone. And in preparation of that, they started looking at threat scenarios. And one realistic threat scenario was the use of small drones. So they started testing military radars, like battlefield surveillance radars, to um, detect these small drones. And they couldn't really at least not in urban environments, and even if they could detect such a small drone, they couldn't distinguish the drone from a bird. And since there are many birds in the air, that would result in a lot of false alarms, making the system quite useless. So then our Ministry of Justice challenged the industry to come up with solutions for detection and intervention of small drones. I heard about it, 
like many other companies did, because there were 38 companies responding to this uh, challenge. But we became number one, which is kind of cool, because we're a relatively small company. But of course, it is exactly what we were doing. We were actually already looking at drones sometimes, because we used it to validate our radar. You know, the drone knows exactly how high it is and where it is, so we could check our radar systems. We recognized the opportunity with drones a few years before that, but then we were approached by big entities in certain countries that I didn't feel comfortable with. And at the same time, we realized as, as shareholders that we wanted to broaden our business. And that had to do with the fact that selling bird radars to airports takes a huge amount of time. How long? Well, it can be three years. That's too long in the life of a young company. Yeah, that, that is a challenge, to say the least, for an SME company to bridge that gap. And we were lucky at start because we've won a few big contracts. So we were profitable within six months, which is very unusual. Yeah. Next year, also great. Then I got external funding to invest in our growth plan and everything. And then we've learned that actually we were a bit lucky in the beginning with these fast contracts. Because the reality is that, well, first of all, we have to explain to our customer what our product actually is. I mean, if you sell copiers, you don't have to explain the basic principles of a copier. You can go right into the essence of your proposition to explain what a bird radar can do. And usually that leads to a lot of enthusiasm, but instead of buying the system, they say, well, we will start organizing the budget for next year. That was new to me. And when that next year is there, they start communicating and writing down exactly what you want and where it could be placed and all the details. And then typically, suddenly, someone from Purchase puts his head around the corner and says, oh, by the way, this needs to be a European tender. So then all doors close for at least, well, let's say half a year, sometimes even a year, a whole team at our customer side is put onto the project, the writing, specifying what they want. Then the tender is released. And if you've done well, then you recognize the specifications that they ask for and it's okay, so they like our system. And then they start purchasing it, etc. So it, it takes a lot of time. And it, it even happened to me that I was in a meeting with a, a manager at an airport and suddenly it was like, oh, by the way, the budget has been postponed to next year. But in my spreadsheet, that is a big deal. So How did you feel when... You heard that? I got an instant flu. <laughs> I didn't say anything in the meeting because I was flabbergasted and I thought, okay, let's pretend I didn't hear that. Then I called afterwards to verify. I mean, did I hear correct? And uh, he said, yeah, yeah. Wow. So when this drone opportunity came around, you must have got your hopes up. Yeah. How quick was that process and what sort of difference did that make to your business? This process was actually relatively fast because there are some principles where it allows governments to buy innovative projects faster. This is a sort of special public procurement process. Yeah, yeah. specifically aiming at innovation and SME companies. So we developed a product, then we were identified by big German companies, specifically defense companies, because we only do the detection of the drones, right? right. So the question is, what do you do if you've detected it? So there are all kinds of James Bond solutions in the market available typically by big defense players. So they started visiting us and said, is it true that you can actually see drones, detect drones, and also distinguish them from birds? Because it was a public tender, so they knew that we had won it. So there was a good marketing Absolutely, well. yes. This is, a, I think, a shining example of what governments can do by being the launching customer for SME companies. If you hadn't had that drone opportunity, what do you think you would have done? Well, I've learned as an entrepreneur that both bad luck and good luck come in clusters. 
after the good luck of winning the drone tender, the other business finally starts picking up. So it's very likely that we grow with a 450% this year, most of it actually coming from bird radars. But I mean, there are many people around me that say, well, I predict that you in 10 years time look back at your company and, and have to remember that you actually started with bird radars because your whole entire business is drone radars. At the moment, it's 80% bird radars and 20% drone detection, but I do expect that will change quite rapidly in the next year. I suppose having these two elements is a good safeguard. Yes, it taps into the same expertise, so that's our focus, detection of small targets. So I think that's the common thing, that that's good, and then we have different market segments that are totally independent from each other. The bird monitoring and wind farms, environmental impact assessment kind of work, then the bird strike prevention in aviation, and then the drone detection in the security markets. But what I do find, as an entrepreneur, everybody could tell you, or will tell you, that focus is of the essence. And even non-entrepreneurs will tell you, well, it's important to focus. Which is true, but what we can do as entrepreneurs of SME companies is react to a changing environment. I mean, if I have an idea with you today, I could implement it on Thursday which is something big companies can't. And you have to decide which moves you're going to make yeah. as well, and some of these could be leading you down a blind alley. That can cost you a lot. Have you anything you feel you've learnt about how you spot that opportunity and not the false one? Well, I've learned a great deal, but it doesn't say that I don't make those very same mistakes again. I think the only difference is that I find out faster and I'm, I'm more willing to... Uh, admit that I did something wrong and try to correct it. What we've learned, for example, from the bird radars and from the long lead times and the sales processes is that with the drone detection, I'm much more clear on what role we want to play. So I know that it's only one piece of the puzzle because we don't do intervention and so on. So we work together with big system integrators that have access to the right markets. So I'm not going to do the distribution. What we do with the bird radars, but with the drone detection radars, we'll work together with a limited amount of big companies who can combine our system into total solutions and who already have big customers as their customers. On the other hand, within the drone detection, we have a very clear focus, much more than we had in all the other business activities. So we know exactly what kind of partners we want to work with, what our market segments are, what we're going to do, and, and more important, what we're not going to do. It's very tempting to ourselves integrate intervention methods, but we are not going to do it. And, you know, that's also the thing with focus. It's, it's easy to say what you're going to focus on. It becomes painful if you want to decide what the impact is and what you're not going to do. Yeah. There is no focus without defining what you're not going to do, and that's where it hurts. Rupert Merson teaches strategy and entrepreneurship at London Business School. I asked him what advice he would give to small companies operating in a market where all the customers are big. What a small business lacks principally when it's looking for big contracts with major customers is credibility. Credibility is difficult to earn and big agencies will often find it difficult to take small suppliers seriously. How can we address that issue? Well, surrounding yourself with a penumbra of advisors and non-executives and associates who can help reinforce your credibility directly or indirectly will help. 
in a post-internet age, it is possible for a small company to present itself more credibly than would have been the case in a pre-internet age. Through your website, it's possible to reassure your customers of your qualities in ways that wouldn't be true when you only had bricks and mortar to show off to the outside world. Organisations, even small ones, have a reach, a capability through associates, through partnerships, through joint ventures that they wouldn't have had before. Putting it simply, they can exploit their network better. You mentioned about bringing in advisors who can help with those sort of things. Are there other tips that you'd suggest? Well, the internet is one. Thinking carefully about what use could be made of an advisory board, who we choose to have on our real board of directors in terms of non-executives can help us with our network and therefore help us with our um, ability to be credible in the face of big suppliers. Back to CETA at Robin Radar. Was it disconcerting to be a tiny startup dealing with large customers? There are days that I feel that way. <laughs> but on the other hand, we, we are now finding partners that really appreciate our speed and even want to work together with us because it helps them. In a way, we are a mirror to them, showing how fast or pragmatic some things can go. So we, we have some very positive feedback from big companies that we work together now based on that. What's the next stage for you? Can these sales channels sustain the growth and, and provide the resources to allow you to expand? It is very likely that we will announce within two months that one of the big companies will take a share in our company, which helps us to boost, especially on the marketing and sales side. So it will enable us to professionalize the company further, to make it more scalable. So that is going to happen, yeah. Next week, you can hear about the founder of a debt collection agency where being held at gunpoint proved to be among the business challenges he faced. You can catch up on previous episodes of FT Startup Stories by going to our special page, ft.com startup. You can also take up our offer of a 25% discount on a subscription to the Financial Times by going to ft.com forward slash startup offer. Until next time, goodbye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.